Well, good. I'm sorry, I can't even help it. It just booms out of me. Good morning, Life Church. I want to welcome you here this morning. I want to welcome all those who are joining us online. I know there's a number of you that are watching us this morning live on our YouTube channel. Thank you so much for being with us, but there's nothing like being in person. Amen? And we're so glad that you're here this morning. Just so you know, my name's Matt. This is my beautiful wife, Tanya. And we are the lead pastors here at Life Church. We get to serve alongside of pastors Mike and Ev, and we get to serve you, and we get to glorify God, and we can't believe that we get to do this. It's amazing. We're so grateful to be your pastors. Um, just for those of you who don't know who we are, a little bit about us, um, I was born and raised in Chilliwack, um, and I am also a drummer. There you go. You learned something about me. Tanya, what's something that they would never know about you that you want to tell them this morning? Okay, well, I was born in Kelowna. Bet you didn't know that. And I graduated from this high school. Yeah. She graduated right here. Isn't that amazing? In this very room, actually. So there's some serendipity there, if you will. Um, but we've been in a series, church, for those of you who haven't been with us, called Facing Fear. And we've been going through various elements of fear and talking about how our God has overcome them. And again, one of our main scriptures is 2 Timothy 1.7, which God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Come on. And so when we see fear that comes before us, how are we going to face that, church? How are we going to uh, overcome that? Because there is very real fear that impacts us on a daily basis. And to bring you up to speed, we talked about this idea that fear isn't always necessarily a, a bad thing. Fear is actually a healthy thing that God has given us. It's a response to potential danger that gives us a fight or flight type of reaction. We talked about that at the very beginning. But then we talked about how anything, any truth, any good thing that's taken to an extreme can become a very big negative. And we live in an age of anxiety where so many people are struggling with fear in their lives and in their daily lives. And today we're going to be talking about the subject of facing chaos. Somebody say chaos. Now you say chaos. Now you say chaos. Now you say chaos. Now you, now you. No, I'm just kidding. See, chaos, it's already there. You're already feeling it, right? The anxiety is starting to rise up. The facing chaos. And the big question we're asking is, what if I'm overwhelmed and I lose control? Now, here's something special this morning. In the theme of chaos, actually, there's no chaos this morning. It's all good. Um, my beautiful wife and I are going to tag team this message for you this morning. So here's how this is going to look. I'm going to take the first part, and then Tanya's going to take the last part, okay? So we've got four points for you today. I'm going to take the first two points. Tanya's going to take the last two points, and I'm going to give you the introduction. But when we talk about the idea of chaos, babe, we know about chaos, right? Like, we know chaos. Like, Tell them about chaos? Oh, who are all my moms out there? Right, right, yes, Annalise, yes. Like, just, it's just like before it breaks 8 a.m. in the morning, you're already, like, in a sweat. Kid, you know, lunches have to be made. Kids out the bus. Yeah, chaos is, like, the definition of our life right now. But a good chaos. And I am told that I will really miss this chaos one day. There are some good chaos, but then there's also some very negative chaos. And that's where uh, life seems to overwhelm us and surround us, where life seems to squeeze us in, and we start to feel like we're stuck in a certain place. And there's this, there's this chaos that can come that gives us this sense of, what if I get completely overwhelmed, and what if I lose control? And here's how we're going to approach this this morning, church. I'm going to read two faith-based scriptures to you about the idea of being overwhelmed, and how God responds to that, and he is our response to that. Then we're going to pray. Actually, Tanya's going to read the scriptures, then she's going to pray. 
and then we're going to give you an introduction, and we're going to dive right into a story in the Bible that's going to speak to us today about facing chaos. You guys ready? All right, here we go, babe. All right. Let me get my exercises going up and down. Psalm 46, verse 1 to 3. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah. That's a picture of chaos in nature. Psalm 61, verse 2. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, would you lead me to the rock that is higher than I? I'm going to read that one more time. Psalm 61, verse 2. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, would you lead me to the rock that is higher than I? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your presence in this place. God, we thank you for your word that it's living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Father, we pray that your word would go forth and would accomplish what it is set up to do. God, that it would not return void, but God, that it would create and, and produce good fruit in our lives this morning, Lord Jesus. We submit ourselves to your word. We come under the word of God and we say, have your way. Speak to us today what you want to speak. Help us to get out of the way so that your presence can work in each heart. I thank you. I pray that not one person would leave here the same. And I thank you there's no accidents here this morning. Thank you for your anointing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So, chaos. Now, if we were to define the subject, this is how we would define it. It's a state of utter confusion or disorder, a total lack of organization or order. For some of you, even just mentioning that idea starts to bring anxiety into your hearts. Those of you who are like the, you know, the type A's, all my type A's out there, you know, that you like to have all your, your ducks in a row, you like to have your home in a certain sense of order, and when it's out of order, it creates this sense of chaos and lack of control. I believe that the society that we live in today and the times that we live in are rife with chaos. There are things that are coming against us that we never thought that we would ever see in our lifetime. I mean, you know, you have million-dollar real estate. You've got uh, a war that's happening in Ukraine. Did we ever expect to see a war happening? Guys, we just all went through a pandemic. There are things around us that are coming at us constantly that seem to be completely outside of our control and can leave us feeling overwhelmed and tapped and tired. And this can enhance a sense of fear of what is coming next. What could possibly be coming next? What if I'm completely overwhelmed and I lose control? I mean, have you ever felt overwhelmed by life? Have you ever felt overwhelmed by a situation in your life? I, I, I certainly have. It happens to me all the time. So how do we deal with that, church? How do we face that? How do we overcome that? And here's how we're going to look at it today. We're going to go to a story in the Bible that's going to speak to us about this subject. And our story is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, your apps, whatever, you can turn with me there. We're going to have it up on the screen for you today. But turn to Matthew, chapter 14. And we're going to be starting in verse 22. But before we dive into the story, uh, the story is a very famous story. You've all heard it before, I'm sure, which is Peter walking on the water to Jesus. But before we get to it, I want to give you a little bit of context and background before we dive into the story this morning. So, so what's going on here? Well, to begin with, John the Baptist has been executed. 
He was in the, in the, um, in the uh, confines of Herod, and Herod had chosen to execute John the Baptist, which is Jesus' cousin. And Jesus, of course, is devastated by this news. And he says, I got to get away. I got to go, and I got to mourn, and I got to deal with this. So he says, disciples, let's get in the boat. Let's go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side so that I can go and mourn properly the loss of my cousin. He needs to get away from people. So he gets in the boat, and he crosses over to the other side with the disciples. And he goes up, and the Bible says he goes to mourn. And as he goes there, people hear about him being in that region, and they start to gather around him. So he goes to get away from the people, but he can't. The people come to him. You ever been there, all my introverts? <laughs> you go to get away from the people, and the people just seem to come. And so there he is on the other side, and, and as he's trying to escape, he's trying to mourn, he's trying to have some alone time, some downtime, the people come to him. And the Bible says that over 5,000 people come to him because they hear that he's in the region. And the Bible tells us that Jesus had compassion on them. And he turned around, he began to heal their sickness. He began to pray over them and minister to them. And as he's ministering, the day goes on, and it comes past the, uh, a meal time, and the disciples say, Jesus, you better send these people away because we, got, we can't feed all these people. And Jesus says, you feed them. So the disciples turn around, and what do they do? They find a little boy that has five loaves and two fish. That's all they can find. Hey, did you bring any food? No, I didn't bring any food. I just came to see Jesus. Did you bring food? And then there's one kid that brought some food. He brought five loaves and two fish, just enough, just enough for him. Um, and, and so he brings this out. And, and, uh, and, and he brings it out to Jesus, and what happens to Jesus? Jesus, of course, he, he miraculously uh, uh, multiplies that food. They feed 5,000 people. Now imagine again, this is an exhausting undertaking. This is organization. This is over. This is managing. He's kind of in this situation where he's managing things, and the disciples are working hard, and they feed all these people. Then they have to go collect all the leftover food afterwards. There's some organization involved in that, and it's kind of exhausting. And when they finish feeding the 5,000 people. This is what the Bible tells us, and this is where we pick it up. Jesus compels his disciples and says, I want you to go back to the other side. I got to go have some alone time. So the disciples are compelled to get back into the boat. And when we pick this up here, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. And what happened? After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell, so it was dark while he was there alone. Meanwhile, bum, 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 the disciples were in trouble. Far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. So let's just get a picture here, church, of what's going on. Jesus has compelled them. He has given them a word, and he said, I have a commandment for you. I want you to get into the boat, and I want you to go ahead to the other side. I'll meet you there. So they have a word from God that's called them out into the sea. Now, this is what I know about the Sea of Galilee. I've, I've never been there myself, but I've seen lots of video and lots of pictures of it, and it's not that big. I mean, you can see from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other, and, and you could probably see a ship that would go from one side all the way to the other. But now, it's dark. The Bible tells us that there was a wind that was contrary to them, a wind that was coming against them. And, and I'm no sailor. No, no, Captain John is here today. 
and he is, and he's probably going to tell me afterwards that there's ways you can get around this, but I don't know about this. I would think, would this be right? You need to take that sail down. If there's a wind coming against you, probably, I don't know. I would take that sail down if I were me in my uninitiated state, but these disciples, they knew what they were doing. They were fishermen, so they would take the sail down, and they would have some oars there, and they would be trying to get themselves over to the other side, but there's a wind that's pushing against them, and then the Bible says that this wind starts to make the waves rise up high above them, and so now all of a sudden, they're being tossed back and forth, and there's a wave, wind that's coming against them, and the Bible tells us they are fighting against this storm, that they are fighting. They're in trouble, and they realize it, and they're fighting, and they're giving all their strength and all their power and all their might to this, but they are completely overwhelmed. Church, this is the definition of chaos. There's waves coming at them from all sides. There's a wind that's pushing against them. There's, they're, 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 they're giving all their strength and all their might and all their power into something, and at this point, they are emotionally, physically, and mentally exhausted. You ever been there in life? You're just going and it just feels like you're just kind of spinning tires. You're not really getting anywhere. It just feels like all your efforts are in vain. That it's not getting you anywhere where you felt like God had called you to go. You ever felt like you're completely overwhelmed? You see, when they started, it seemed like a regular voyage across the sea. But now it's dark and they're disoriented and they're exhausted and they're feeling spent and they're feeling overwhelmed. It says that these seasoned sailors were in trouble far from land. And here's the thing about storms, and I'm, I'm going to speak about them metaphorically this morning. Storms. Storms can remove vision and direction. They have the power to keep you completely preoccupied. So that all you can focus on are the things that are coming against you. They can exhaust you. These are things like a bad diagnosis. Sickness or the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job or, or, or a relationship falling apart, or a rift that is formed between you and somebody that you used to have a close relationship with. This could be a bad business deal or something in your work that you're managing that it seems to be falling apart. And it's all of a sudden, out of, the blue, out of the blue, they're not doing anything wrong. They're just moving in the direction they felt like they were supposed to go, that God, Jesus, had directly told them to go. The storm rose up and overwhelmed them. Have you ever felt like you're being tossed around? Have you ever felt like you're completely overwhelmed? You see, it was into that environment that Jesus came in a most unexpected way. And when we continue the story, this is what it says, Matthew chapter 14, verse 25, about 3 o'clock in the morning, they're exhausted. Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, it says they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, Now look, they were so keyed up that night that at the sight of Jesus walking on the water, it was completely terrifying to them. And in their exhausted state, they saw Jesus on the water as something unearthly and, uh, and horrible. They were in a state of expecting the worst. Come on, what else could happen? We got the wind, we got the waves, it's dark, I can't see where I'm going, I'm disoriented. Come on, what could possibly go wrong? Oh, there's a ghost! Right? It just goes from bad to worse. 
And in their exhausted state, they saw Jesus on, the, on that water. They couldn't immediately imagine salvation in that moment. You see, their fear at that moment, of course, was irrational, and, and we all know that. There's not really ghosts, but it seemed to be the only reasonable explanation for what they were seeing. You know, and often it's when we're overwhelmed by life in one of these storms that we begin to see ghosts. You ever been there? Completely overwhelmed, exhausted, feeling pressed in on all sides. And now everything that comes against you starts to look like it's going to overwhelm you and that you're going to lose control. What do we do in that situation? We often see the worst in every situation. Number one, what do we do? Do not forget that we have a deliverer who is coming for us. He who called you is faithful, and he will not leave you nor forsake you, and his name is Jesus. Jensen Franklin says this, between dread and devastation, look for the deliverer. Between dread and devastation, look for the de deliverer. How often do we get ourselves stuck in those moments and we completely forget that our God is for us? Listen, I had an experience like that this week. I'm telling you, every time we preach one of these sermons, I'm like dealing with it all week. Like, oh God, you want me to preach to myself, right? He's like, yes, I do. So this week, I was, um, I was you know, dealing with this business deal and, and some things were looking like they could potentially go sideways. I was feeling overwhelmed, and I was wrestling with it, and it literally took my focus for like half a day. I was just like playing through all these different scenarios of all these horrible things that could happen, and it was just like running through my brain, running through my brain, running through my brain, and I was overwhelmed, and I was trying, church. I'm the pastor for Pete's sake. I'm like, come on. Matt Jansen, worship God. I'm listening to worship music. I got podcasts on. I'm like, come on. You know, I know God's in this, and I'm going for prayer walks. I'm like, you know, I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to do, but I'm completely overwhelmed. Completely. The next morning I get up, and um, I'm feeling a little bit better, but not quite right yet. And I, and I get in the car, and I've been studying for this sermon. And I sit down in the car. I, I have to drive out and pick something up for uh, our family. And I, so I get in the car, and the Lord says, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm just right. And I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, tell me about it. And I was like, oh, right. Okay. So I shifted right there. And where I was concerned about this thing and I was concerned about these people, I started to pray blessing over them. I started to recognize that there is a deliverer in the midst of my storm. And I started to speak life and peace and joy and, and hope into that situation. And I began to say, God, I don't know if I can fix this, but God, I know that you can. I know that you can make a way. I know that you are with me right now. I know that you are working for me. And God, I pray for this situation. I pray for these people that you would bless them, that this would be an amazing experience for them. Lord God, I pray that you, pray that you would turn to something that could potentially be evil for your good, Lord God, because I know that's what you do. And I put my hope and my trust in you. And it changed my entire perspective. You know, I think what often happens to us is we get so stuck in these moments where we're feeling crowded and overwhelmed that we forget that we have a deliverer. We think, man, I messed that up. No, but he, he, he's our God. He's our hope. That's what he's there for. To save us. To deliver us. See, just before this experience, Jesus had miraculously fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And that same Jesus had insisted, 
Some other versions say compelled them that they get into the boat and go to the other side. See, they had forgotten that Jesus was coming to them. Your deliverer is coming to you in your chaos. Psalm 18, 19, he brought me out into a broad place and he delivered me because he delighted in me. Okay, number two. Then it goes on, Matthew 14, 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. What did he do? Jesus gave them a word right when they needed it. He gave them a word right when they needed it. Number two, there is a word for you right when you need it. There's a word for you. Hosea 6.3 says, Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in the early spring. He will come, church. He is a deliverer, and he will come. Are you searching for the word of God? Are you creating opportunity for God to speak to you? Are you reading your Bible? Are you, are you podcasting sermons? Are you listening to worship music? Are you filling your mind with the truth of God's word? Church, I want to encourage you this morning, don't give up. Put yourself in a position to receive the word of God. That's what happened for me this week. God gave me a word right when I needed it. Oh, right. And it's usually the simplest thing. But we just got to do it. Amen? There is a word in season. All right, babe. Also, what else did Peter do? We're just continuing on in the story. And this is what Peter did. He pursued the word. So God comes and gives us a word, right? He may, you might read something in the scripture, but we actually have to do something about it. And Peter stepped out. He pursued Jesus. He pursued the word. Now, there's two ways that we can look at, the, at this. There's a little play on the word. He, you can get a word from the word of God or word, and you can pursue that and stand upon that and believe on that and pray into that and just hold your ground. That's like, I will stand, I will stand, I will stand. That's what, what Peter is doing too. But also, Peter, he pursued the word, which is Jesus. In John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word is Jesus. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So there's two ways. You want to pursue the word of God. You want to pursue Jesus, the word. You want to pursue him. You need to get out. You need to make a move. When, they, when you are overwhelmed, it's exactly what Matt said he had to do. God reminded him. You just need to do something about this. Don't just stay in your own, you know, we can get so wrapped up in our thoughts and our worry and our anxiety and just like, oh, what about this and what about this? And, and it, it's all legit and it's, and, and it's true, these worries and concerns that might have you in turmoil, your own storm within yourself, in your soul, there's a storm because you're worried, you're concerned and it's, and it's real stuff. It doesn't mean that it's not true or validated, Right? You need to step out and give it to Jesus. You say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. You say to trust you, so I'm going to trust in you, and I'm not going to lean on my own understanding in this circumstance, Lord. I'm going to follow you. I need to step out and walk. i got to do something. i got to pursue Jesus. Maybe it also means you need to get into your word. You need to get into your time of prayer and get a word from him as well, Right? You need to speak into this, Lord, because I don't know what to do. 
I don't know what to do. I am so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. But I know that you have got me. I know that I have Jesus, my deliverer. Peter pursued Jesus. Pursue him. Go after him. I'm coming, Lord. I'm going to step out. I'm going to step out on this water. Even though I don't know what's next. Pursue him. Pursue him. Martin, back into Matthew 14, Peter calls out to Jesus in verse 28. He says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Walking on the water. And Jesus says, come. Come. He's saying to you this morning. He's saying to you at home, come. Come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Pursue him. Pursue him. In your state of overwhelm and out of control, pursue him. Get out. Do something that is maybe uncomfortable. Just run to him. We sang that song this morning. And, oh, I'm going to run into your arms. And that's what it is. It's open arms. I'm going to run. I'm going to run into your arms. There's richness there. There's everything you and I need there in his arms in the presence of Jesus. When I am overwhelmed, I'm going to pursue him. Number four, set your mind on the spirit. Matthew 14, 30, as we follow the story along. So he gets out of the boat. He actually does it. He does it. He's obeying. He's pursuing Jesus. He's doing the right thing. He's getting out, and he's walking. Crazy miracle, okay? So you actually could be obeying Jesus and, and doing what you need to do in your personal storm. And in verse 30 of Matthew 14, it says, But when Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified, and, it be, and he began to sink. And he cries out, Save me, Lord. Save me. Okay? So he responds. Then he's looking around, and actually, even in his obedience, nothing's changing. I had this, like, I was reading this, and I'm like, Oh, God, you could have made it less for him because he stepped out of the boat. Come on. You know? But he doesn't work like that all the time, does he? Actually, more often than not, you you're obeying, you're pursuing, you're trying to do all the right things. Matt just said that too. Like, you know, when he was struggling with all the overwhelm in his head and the anxiety in his thoughts, he was trying to do the right things. I'm going to go for a prayer walk. I'm going to, I'm going to um, get on the worship music. I'm going to spend time, you know, seeking God. And sometimes it's just still there. The waves are still there. The thoughts are still there. The overwhelm is still there. The chaos, the out of control feeling is just not going away. That's what's happening to Peter here. And he is afraid. He's afraid, and then he cries out, save me. Save me. It's this, like, desperation. I'm out of control right now, God. I did this. I'm stepping out, and nothing's changing. And I just, you know, you, you can still obey God, and there still may be situations that just don't feel like they're working out for your good. But you know what? It says in, in John 16, verse 33, it says, In this world, this is what Jesus says to us. So don't be surprised when you step out of the boat and things don't exactly calm down right away. And, and it says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He is your deliverer. He is my deliverer. And even though maybe right at the, at the exact time that you want it to calm down or you need peace, it doesn't always happen exactly in our timing. But he is overcoming. And God is in control. And he is our deliverer. He is our savior. And I believe that with every part of my being, that he is in control. 
He will, even when it doesn't feel like it. But as long as I pursue him, as long as I pursue the word and I go after him, and even when it just is not even, it's still feeling like I'm like going like this, he's there and he's coming. And he's there and he's in control. Now in Romans 8, and as you know, Matt and I have ta- been talking a lot this week about this sermon and about the story of Peter walking on the water and Jesus calling out to him. And, and I was meditating on all these thoughts and I felt like the Lord dropped this revelation into my spirit. And I love it when he does that. And about what we can do when we are in that state of overwhelm, you know? And, um, and it's just like we said, in the, you set your mind on the spirit. And God just said that to me. He brought me to Romans 8. Verse 5. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. We're going to put it up here too. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded. Now carnally, that's a weird word, but that means just to be of the flesh, the body, its passions and its appetites, so just the flesh, the, you know, our physical body. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And there it is. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And God just like brought that right out to me. He says, that's it. You need to have the mind of the spirit. You need to set your focus. Pastor Mike actually was talking about this in, in, at the end of worship here. You need to set your focus on him, on your deliverer, in the chaotic storm, in the out-of-controlness of your life, or the season, or the circumstance, whatever it is, the diagnosis that has come at you, you need to set your mind on the Spirit, on things above. Paul's talking about the importance here in, this, in Romans 8 about life with the Spirit in a world of the flesh, right? We live in a world that is just consumed with the flesh and its desires and its appetites and, and just feeding into that. But Paul in Romans is talking about living a different way, letting the spirit control your mind. And he says that leads to life and peace, okay? Flesh leads to death and chaos. Spirit leads to life and peace, there's the, there is the, the nugget there. It's, that's living in the spirit, having my mind in, um, focused on him and my attention on him. That is where I will experience his life and his peace. What if I get overwhelmed? What if I lose control? That's the question we asked at the beginning. What if? What do I do? The answer lies in being spiritually minded. How do we live in the spirit? How do, how do I do that? That sounds really like out there. Spiritually minded. <laughs> Colossians 3, verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. So many times, you guys, I have to do this daily. This message is such a personal one for me because I feel like this is like my life moment by moment, seven days a week. I'm overwhelmed. It's chaotic. God, help. No, I'm coming to you and you're not helping, And uh, though it seems. But I set my mind on things above, and so many times... I have to just say that, God, help me to see above this situation right now. Help me to see above this problem that I'm facing. Help me to see as you see it, Lord. Because I'm not doing very well. I'm getting overwhelmed 
by this in the flesh, in the natural, and I'm just kind of stuck. I need your eyes. I need to have my faith built up. I need to set my mind on things above and make it my, um, and then, sorry, in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, it talks about taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. So it's this discipline. It's discipline. How do we have, this, do you have a mind of the Spirit so that we can experience life and peace in amidst the storm? We need to take captive those wandering thoughts. And you need to just rein them in and make them obedient to Christ. Lord, I give this to you. Lord, Father, I want to see this the way you see it. You can see things that I do not see, so I surrender to you. I surrender this, this concern. I surrender this desire. I surrender this storm. You fill in the blanks. It's intentionality. Discipline your thoughts to be with God. We need a with God life. I've been so challenged by this. Um, our, for our soul to be well, it needs to be with God. With him. With him. I need God in every part. As soon as I start kind of veering off and getting into my own concerns and just kind of leaving God and his truth and his word out of it, that's when the anxiety and the stress really rises in my life. And I know that. I can, I can feel it in my spirit, in my soul. The with God, here's a quote from John Ortbrig. Yes. The with God life is not a life of more religious activity or devotions or trying to be good. That's striving. It is a life of inner peace and contentment for your soul. The without God life is the opposite. It is death. It will kill your soul. It's out of a book that I'm reading. It's called Soul Keeping, and it was all part of this week as I was, like, meditating on this, and God brings me to Romans 8, and then I'm reading this in this chapter in this book, and I'm like, that's Romans 8, right? A life with God is life and peace. A life without God is death. It will kill your soul, Romans 8, verse 6. Now let's bring it back to Peter. Okay, we're back to our story. Peter's staring at God right at the beginning when God comes out, once they kind of got over the terrifiedness of, like, it's a ghost. <laughs> once he got over that, he's got God there. And when he's staring at God and walking in faith, that's the with God life. That's with God. I have the courage and the faith to step out because I'm looking directly at him. I'm focused. I've taken my thoughts captive. I am thinking about things above, not things here on this earth, right? That's with God life. Peter's staring at God, walking out in faith. Peter's staring at the waves and getting all overwhelmed with the circumstances, and he's, he's left his gaze, and it's, ah, the storm, the wind, things. I'm like, I'm overwhelmed by this situation right now. And it is really real. And that is the without God life. I can just see it in there. Like there's just, it's so blatant. You know, he's just, he's lost sight. You got to look down, you got to look around. And all of a sudden there's panic, there's chaos. There is the absolute opposite of peace. Can I keep God? Can you keep God? in your mind today? Can you keep your focus? Can I keep my focus on him today? Can I find him in my moments? It's this challenge of this with God life. It's kind of a funny way that I'm saying it, but like just remember just those quotations. Having God with me in everything I'm doing. You taking God with you in every part 
of your everyday life. Bring them in. That's living life in the spirit, spirit-minded, where there is life and peace. The answer to this, this absolute chaotic, overwhelm, out-of-control feeling, I'm going to keep God. Can I find him in this moment? I am feeling really overwhelmed with this situation right now. This diagnosis that I've received, this bad news about my financial situation, this relationship that is not working out and falling apart. Can I bring God into that right away? God, can you please help me see this as you would see it right now? Lord, show me what to do and just bring it to him with God, with God. Peace. He promises peace. That's what Romans 8, that's what Romans 8 promises, life and peace. And so, you know, God, in John 15, 15, it says, abide in me and I in you. Be connected. Abide with him. Abide with him. Bring him into your every day, going in and going out. And you need to, how do you, you need to fight the fear of chaos and overwhelm by training and focusing your mind and your attention. Spiritually minded, we're taking captive our thoughts. We're being led of the spirit. We're focusing on him, fleshly minded, we're seeing death, chaos, and fear take over, like Peter, those two working side by or working together. You know, it's like this, this um, war that we have to fight constantly in our life. And that's what we want to just really challenge you with. You're going to like bring this up and conclude this all right? <laughs> that we want to be people that bring God into every part of our days and our lives and our storms so that we can look to him and he can bring the peace that is so desperately needed. And it's just, it's there. It's just, it's there for us, but we need to pay attention and focus our attention on him. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah. So as we conclude the story today, and we conclude the sermon. Matthew chapter 14, verse 30. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, Peter was terrified. And he began to sink. Save me, Lord! He shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And then the disciples worshipped him and said, You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Now, if you hear this message today and you're thinking to yourselves, Man, I don't know if I've got that in me. I don't know if I can, if I can do that. In fact, I, I feel like I've drifted so far away from where Jesus is that I don't know if he can actually save me in this moment. Here's a truth for you today. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how overwhelmed you feel right now. It doesn't matter the situation that you're in in light of his greatness and his ability to save. And just like Peter who had to cry out to God in a moment of weakness and say, God, would you save me? you also can cry out to him. And our Savior will respond to you. And with his mighty hand, he will save you. This is our belief, church. 
that we do not serve a God who is far away, but we serve a God who is with us right now. And let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says that we've all fallen short of God's glory, that we've all drifted away from where we're meant to be. The Bible tells us that the wages of that sin, that, that life of the flesh is death and chaos, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And today, wherever you are in your life, you can call on the name of the Lord and you too will be saved. So first of all, I always want to make time in a moment for this. I'd like you all just for a moment to bow your heads and close your eyes just as we close today. And first of all, this first call is for those who have never called out to Jesus before. You have never asked him to come into your life. You've never invited Jesus to come and, and, and to have a relationship with you. You come in here today and say, man, I, I am not really a Christian. I'm just checking this out. But this message is for you, and it's a message of hope. See, God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners and we were still far from him, he died for us. God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And if that's you today, every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're here today or if you're online and you're watching this for the first time, you say, I've never heard this message before. I didn't know that there was a God that cared. There is a God and he cares for you. And you say, man, I feel like I'm sinking. I feel like I'm in those waves and they're surrounding me and they're tossing me to and fro and I feel the chaos around me and I need to know this Savior. If that's you today, anywhere in this place or online, if in person, if you're here, every head bowed, every eye closed, this is a private moment. If you say, Matt, I want to take a step and I want to become a follower of Jesus today, I'd like just to raise your hand. Is there anybody here today? I need to take a step and I need to become a follower of Jesus for the first time. Okay, is there anybody online? If you're online and you're watching this, if you say, that's me, you can, you, can take, you can say, that's me, right in the chat. And we've got our prayer team standing by that will pray with you. Or you can also email us at office at lifechurchwr.com. And we have a prayer team that will respond to you. And we'd love to pray with you today. Okay, number two. If you're here today and you say, Matt, <laughs> I'm following Jesus with all my heart. I'm giving it everything I have. And I'm exhausted. I feel overwhelmed, and that fear is definitely there. What if I am overwhelmed, and what if I lose control? And you say today, I just need to cry out to God. I believe that he's here, and he can meet you in this place today and bring freedom and life to you and a new revelation of who he is. You say, man, I just need a fresh touch from the Lord today. I just need the strength of Jesus to pull me up. If that's you, just raise your hand wherever you are. Yeah, all over the place. What we're going to do, church, is I'd like you all just to stand up together. We're going to sing a song together, and then I'm going to pray for you. And we'll close with some announcements today.
Father, we turn to you in our time of trouble. God, we turn to you in our time of peace. And we declare that you are Lord. And we lift up our hands to you, Lord, and we say, save us, God. Heal us, Lord Jesus, and meet us where we are. Father, as your people, we come to you today and we cry out to the living God, our hope and our salvation. And we say, come and meet each one. Father, I ask that in Jesus' name that you would meet each person in this place today, Lord God, right where they are. Father, I pray that your spirit would come and bring life and bring peace and bring joy that is promised in the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord God, that the spirit of life would bring life and freedom. Lord Jesus, you know the circumstances. You know the situations. And Father, I pray this morning for a fresh move of your Holy Spirit and a fresh wave of your presence to fill each heart. Oh God, that we would walk in newness of life without fear. Oh, Jesus, but fill us with faith, we pray. And hope in you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.